when I started at the school, I was a graduate teaching assistant, but I had no experience whatsoever working in a school. I'd come straight from uni and then I missed out on half of my school direct year. So when I started in this role, I had the biggest sense of imposter syndrome. Welcome to Voice in Education, the podcast. I'm Kathleen Kushney, founder of Voice in Education, a senior lead in education, trainer and coach. My mission is to help new leaders and teachers aspiring to leadership become confident in their ability to lead others successfully. Whether you're a new or aspiring leader, this podcast will help you to become confident in your ability to lead others successfully. We discuss key themes in education and personal development and how this can impact educational leadership. Let's move that needle from confusion and overwhelm to clarity and inspiration. This is a special episode which features two teachers who have just like many of you been teaching through a pandemic. Mamoon has just finished her PGCE training year as a school direct student in primary education and is due to start her ECT year in September. She previously worked as a teaching assistant and experienced what she says has fueled her drive and passion to pursue teaching. And then we have Poppy, who has just completed her NQT year. Prior to becoming a teacher, Poppy worked as a graduate teaching assistant and completed her school direct teacher training course, all of this being in the same school that she teaches at now. At university, Poppy studied as a BA Honours in Drama whilst having a part-time job teaching after-school drama clubs in various schools in North London, which is what ignited her desire for working with young people. Poppy has an interest in promoting equality in schools and providing equal opportunities for all children to succeed no matter the circumstance. So it's going to be a great conversation and I do want you to stay tuned just to hear the passion that comes through from these two wonderful members of Before I start, I just want to thank Financial Joy Academy, who are sponsoring this episode. Financial Joy Academy, also known as FJA to its family members, and I say family members as the FJA community really are just that. Financial Joy Academy is run by husband and wife team Ken and Mary Okorafor. They offer a private space for action-taking dream makers who want to achieve financial independence. Financial Joy Academy offer a range of courses regardless of where you are on your journey to financial freedom. Together with fellow dream makers, Ken and Mary support and encourage you on your own journey, which is what they've been doing for me for just over a year now through coaching calls and their popular 5am club. For more information, head over to their website to take a look at the recommendations from other dream makers. If you're convinced and want to join our family of dream makers, I have an exclusive link which gives you 15% off your first month. Check the link in the show notes. Financial Joy Academy provides an essential learning for all. We know as educators that learning never stops. And now we'll hear in this conversation from Mamoon and Poppy what they've been learning this year through the pandemic. Hello and welcome Mamoon and Poppy. It's lovely to have you here with us. We're coming to the end of a really, really difficult year. Um, Everyone's been experiencing it as teachers and leaders. And really, I just want to kind of give a voice to you both, really, because you've had two different experiences in school. One of you obviously um, completing your NQT year and one of you learning with us for the first time in our school, um, doing the School Direct program. So I'm going to when I address the questions, I'll just, so you can just answer freely. So basically we're just having a conversation. So can you just tell us what has 
this year been like for you? Because I think it's really important that we hear how you've, and be honest, how you've been feeling throughout this this year and for you Poppy particularly because you luckily you've been in our school the previous year as well how's it been I think massive cliche but it definitely has been a roller coaster I I actually think I saw I think my toughest term was actually not the term that we were in lockdown but was actually the first term because I think I was trying to be I had the classic NQT thing, I think, of trying to be really organised. I was really striving for the teaching life to be consistent. And then it all kind of hit me that teaching is not consistent because so many different things happen on a daily basis, which completely can change your timetable. And then along with the added, the differences, the added differences from my school direct training like even something minor like we um we didn't have we ha- I had carpet spaces during my school direct year but then this at the beginning of this year I was panicking because I didn't know how I was gonna function without carpet spaces because that's how I'd design that's how I'd learn everything so I think that was definitely my most emotional term in terms of like tears <laughs> Mm-hmm. I'm quite an emotional person anyway though so a lot of the time when I'd be crying I'd just say to my TA like don't worry about it I'll be fine in two minutes I just need to get it out <laughs> um and then actually I feel controversially during the lockdown it actually really reinvigorated my pa- my passion for teaching I think it actually calmed me down which sounds really um like it sounds like I don't know, really rock. It seems like it should be the other way around that lockdown should have been really stressful. And I know it was for loads of people yeah. and it should be really stressful, but I actually found that I really missed my children, miss, missing my children. And it made me appreciate what I did have when we were in class. And I really mm. just went back into the classroom and see my children in real life. Mm. So it brought a new sense of appreciation for your role, would you say? Yes, yeah. definitely. Definitely. Yeah. And I just, you know, when you mentioned, oh, don't worry to, to your TA, don't worry, I've got to let the, the emotions will come out. How important is it for you to, to go through those emotions? Because I think that's really important because I know that some teachers feel sometimes that showing emotions is almost a weakness to say. So why, why would you say that's important for you? I think me personally, that's what I mean. Everybody's different, but I'm a very emotional person anyway, as in even when I'm happy, I'm, it's my, my happiness is like, so palpable. Any kind of emotion, I feel like it's very obvious with me. So I don't know. I suffer from anxiety anyway. Um, so I've just learned it as a technique of if I don't just let it out and have that moment of like, okay, I'm just going to give myself these like two minutes to cry about this thing that really in the long term doesn't really matter. It will be better than if I try and yeah, try and dampen my emotions. And then that's the thing. I'll let it build up and build up and build up. And then it will get so much worse in my mm-hmm. head. Yeah. So it's just, yeah, it's just really a technique. And I know that's the thing that crime is kind of seen as a sign of weakness, but I can, well, can be seen as a sign of weakness. But I just, I honestly think it's the exact opposite. I think it's such a strength to be able to acknowledge and deal with your emotions. Mm-hmm. I actually think it's a real strength 
Mm, totally agree with you totally agree with you and that's why I wanted to pick that up just to get that message out there that showing your emotions is not a weakness at all you know obviously there's a time and a place and and, and to be appropriate but like you said building letting emotions build up sometimes can pop and the popping can be quite has quite an impact so uh, Mamoon so it's really how have you found this year because you're new to the school so how's it been for you so um, before everything happened, just knowing about the school, that is five-form school, it's a big school, and I've never worked in such a big school like this because my previous experience, I was a year one TA at a school that only went up to year four, and it was such a small school. They only have a, had about 100 kids altogether. So coming to this school, I was nervous, I was worried, just to, be, just to know there's so many people. I, I just thought I was going to be overwhelmed. But surprisingly, because of COVID, I kind of felt comfortable. Like I felt like I was in like, like in because we had each class was a bubble and I literally felt like I was in a bubble. <laughs> just sitting <laughs> around just the, the, T, um, the TA, my mentor in one classroom, the children have their lunch times in the classroom. They're only allowed to play with each other and during play times and lunch times and assemblies were all remote in a way. I know I couldn't experience what Poppy experienced last year as she was a school direct trainee, um, you know, before COVID happened in this school. She got to experience how the school came together. For me, I felt like it was, I felt like I was eased into it, you know, slowly. Mm -hmm. I got to meet everyone individually before I met everyone all in one. Like staff trainings would be online or I'd meet someone in like the staff room or, you know, the printing room. And I met each person individually, got to know them individually until I met everyone all together. So I feel Mm -hmm. like it kind of, nice in that sense that's definitely a positive I got from that but mm-hmm. I say altogether it's been a test of resilience and faith definitely just every term is a different circumstance so one term and um, social distancing with the teachers the children of course uh, following the, um, the government guidance on that and then I kind of felt a bit sad knowing that we had to do all of this and I couldn't experience what normal teaching is because eventually covid will pass all the sanctions will pass um but it's like what am i going to do next like i've never experienced carpet time i've never experienced children going to mixed tables because they can't do that so i felt like i was worrying the first time i was like when am i going to experience this is it when i'm actually nqt i'm going to be told okay these children need to have intervention groups they need to be in like i know in year two they do this thing where they um children are the same like kind of current ability they're working you'd and it, as a way of preparing them for SATs, you'd get them together throughout mm-hmm. the groups. It's like all those little things I've never experienced this year. So it's a constant thing of just remembering that everything will come but at a slow pace. And like, thankfully now, we've been doing a few carpet times here and there, um, mixed, abil- uh, mixed ability seats we've been doing. So, but I remember autumn term, spring term, I was really thinking, oh, how am I going to do it when I'm NQT? Like just stressing over it. But I feel mm-hmm. like knowing that, Things will come at its time and just knowing that I just have to I have to have faith, you know. I will learn whilst I go through it. I'm gonna keep learning even as NQT. Just like Poppy said, like you have all these expectations, but it's really just being reflective over it and just to know that things will come at its in its right time. But yeah. That's, that's such an important point that thing just knowing that things will come at a right time because have you found that in terms of planning and being able to adapt that in fact, what have you, what lessons have you learned about adaptation and flexibility? So many, so many lessons, Kathleen. Like I could go on for days with that. Um, so just 
um, for example, spring term um, lockdown happened. So we had to do everything remote learning. And I've never used the platform Seesaw. And that's what the school uses. And I definitely didn't know how to go about that because I was, I was at home. And um, I, I wasn't given training on it. I know some teachers had training last summer before that lockdown, but I've never had training on it. And um, I didn't want to be behind in the, because my uni has certain observations that I need to keep on track. I need to show that I am still hitting those teaching standards uh, for my training. And I was just thinking, how am I going to do it? But then knowing how adaptable the year two team in particular were in helping me do like they were doing Zoom meetings with me, showing me the ways I was still able to have separate Zoom meetings with like, for example, Poppy, you're also a year two teacher. We were able to do some planning together remotely from home and I was able to email her back and forth and just all these things of being adaptable, flexible is because the team I was working with were so kind enough to show me how they were flexible and adaptable. And I was able to kind of like see how they did it. And I was just able to model and just, you know, um, kind of just copy how they did it. Because I mm-hmm. like I would never have been able to be that flexible or adaptable if I didn't see that in the people that I was working around. So I saw how they were just listening to their team meetings, seeing how they spoke to one another. I feel like that definitely made me feel part of the team. And it just made me feel that, you know, if they can do it, I can do it. So definitely. And what would you say, Poppy, thinking about your journey throughout the pandemic in both years, what what has impacted your journey positively, would you say? I actually agree with Maimon talking about, I was nodding my head profusely because the planning from home was a real challenge, but a challenge that I think was really good for me because I I think everyone does. Like I definitely had a sense of imposter syndrome coming into this, especially since when I started at the school, I was a graduate teaching assistant, but I had no experience whatsoever working in a school. I'd come straight from uni and then I missed out on half of my school direct year. So when I started in this role, I had the biggest sense of imposter syndrome. And then with my, I think with my planning, every little thing I could do it. I knew I could do it, but I'd do it and I'd just go over I'd just go over and take my laptop to Narai and say, Is this all right? Is this okay? It's every little thing or to Emily and be like, Is this okay? Are you sure? It's okay. Mm-hmm. And then I was still doing that from home. I was still sending Emily constant emails. But I think I think it needed to be done because I think I would have become too reliant on I needed and, they, and they, all, all it would take for was someone that I considered to be an ex more of an expert than me to just be like, yes, that's all, that's all I wanted was for someone to be like, yes, it's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, I think in terms of professional development, I think in planning, I think that was what was really important for me because I did just have to sit at home and do it on my own. And obviously you've always got the support, but I wasn't going to constantly you know, be emailing, I mean, is this okay? Is this okay? Is this okay? Because no one has, you know, the energy for that. Like I, like I don't. And it was nice as well to have, I think, to, yeah, to, like Maimon said, to speak to Maimon because it was nice to kind of have, when I said, um, my AHT for anyone listening who doesn't know who Nurai is, um, she said, oh, your mass planning was really good last week, Poppy. So we want Maimon to do the mass planning this week. So why don't you have a meeting and you can explain how you did it? And that was really a boost that I needed because that was the first time I'd ever planned mass because somehow 
I just always planned English. I think it was because I just, it was what I felt most comfortable with. It was what I preferred. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, no, I said, you've got to do it. Just do maths, just do it. And then I was like, I'll do it. Yeah. Um, and then it was really nice to have that and be like, okay, so people actually trust me enough to not only do it, but to also, you know, teach and offer advice on mm-hmm. someone else on how to do it. So you, that was really great. And I feel like my planning now is a lot more, I feel a lot more self-assured in what I'm doing, which if, yeah, if the pandemic hadn't have happened and if the school closure hadn't have happened, I probably would still be going if we'd all sat around, which mm-hmm. is important. It is, re- it is really nice having everyone there in PPA, but I think if we'd all sat around, I'd still be going, it's okay, it's okay, for every little thing. That, yeah. You know. So you'd say then that having been in that situation has forced you to kind of grow and rely on your own personal belief really yeah yeah because I think I did take it I think that's what I mean I think it is really important and it's really nice to have those discussions about planning because people may have better you know better ideas than you offer you know um, constructive criticism or what you're doing but also at the same time I think looking back I was taking it to the nth degree of being Mm -hmm. you know the most minor things Mm -hmm. like you know that I should have just been kind of like someone may do this differently but you can always do something differently. Yeah. You can always do any kind of planning. Like I think I've become more settled in. Sometimes you've just got to upload it for the sense of work-life balance as well. Sometimes you've just got to upload the planning because you oh, could sit there for yeah. hours tweaking it, hours and hours and hours, and it could always be better. But sometimes mm-hmm. you've got to, for the sake of your own mental well-being and work-life mm-hmm. balance, you've just got to get rid sometimes. Yeah, on that for you both, and just to clarify, just to clarify who Nurai is. So, who is Nurai to you both? So, um, for me, Nurai is another one of my mentors. Many of my mentors. I feel like everyone in year two, all the teachers, and um, they're just mentors to me. And she's also the assistant head of year two as well. Yeah, just so our listeners know who Nurai is that you're referring to. So, the, lead, the leader of year two, your support network there. So, just for both of you, then, what thinking about the year that you've had. What do you think is the one conversation that you've instigated that has had a huge impact on your growth this year? What is that one conversation? Um, I'd say just trying to think of one because there's been so many. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say just asking everyone how their well-being is. I think that's definitely been a highlight of just knowing that, of course, it's just Thing that's been happening is very unprecedented no one ever thought this would ever happen and knowing that everyone's keep is is trying their best to keep going and to keep you know um teaching to because of course at the end of the day we're teachers and we want to make sure the, te- the kids don't miss out on their learning but making sure that we have that you know goal and we're working towards it but to also check on each other and I feel like just having those little talks just to know how you know if you just ask someone like if I'd, I'd see Poppy the first thing I'd ask is how are you and um, before I'd ask her anything about the workload or if I need help with planning, I'll just ask her how she is doing. And then sometimes you just hear people just open up. So I feel like um, for me this year in particular, along with all this academic pressure and then just keeping up with all the um, school directed training things, I, um, I lost my grandma mm-hmm. and that was last December. And I remember I was just feeling really low and I was just speaking to another teacher in the staff room and she just asked me how I was. And then I just remember just telling her and then she said to me the same thing happened to her. And then, and then both of us were able to support each other. 
and then we're able to then help each other in terms of just delivering you know the best that we can for the children so it was just I kind of just checking each other to make sure everyone is going everyone is going through things everyone's going through personal things you know um just life in general and now there's been this you know big unprecedented covid that's just added to the you know what do they call it what do you call it the work yeah that's it (laughs) it's like just i feel like it just made me remember we're all here for a job but then we're all here to support each other as well and Mm. the pandemic for for me personally to realize that you know you have to check on each other yeah i i i agree i agree with that because um Obviously, that's what I mean. We were in the same team, so we can both concur that during the lockdown, especially the year two team, I cannot fault 10 out of 10 because we would just have like meetings just to check in on each other. And I think really what made me, again, realize how great our working environment is, is because loads of people that I know that have been working from home it actually really made them realize how much they dislike their job because they were like I feel no support from my um from the leadership team from my manager I feel this is like not these are friends that work in offices that have been working from home for a while but I feel like a lot loads of people that I've spoken to it actually really made them question their careers and the job that they were in Mm-hmm. And I think it was interesting that obviously I didn't say this to them. I wasn't like, I don't feel the same. <laughs> you know, imagine. And I was like, really? Mine's great. <laughs> but yeah, um, I was just like, I really don't feel the same. I think if anything, it's done the op- I think it's done the opposite. Definitely. I think definitely. that was what, yeah, I totally agree. I think the lockdown did the exact opposite of I was like, wow, what a great team. Because no one as well, there's just, it was just very, it was just very, very supportive. And it was very much like, I know it should be, I know that's what it should be, but even things like if anyone was struggling, it would be like, oh, can you just, can you just do this planning for me? And no one would ever be, and everyone would just be say yes to everything. Mm. Like there was never any, this, even that's throughout the entire year. That's not even during the lockdown. That's throughout the entire year and throughout the entire of last year yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. And so in terms of that, then you're saying that you feel supported by your team and particularly that comes from the leader or leaders. So what what attributes would you say makes a great leader from your perspective? What what makes a great leader? Um, I'd say a great leader is someone definitely um, communication, someone who is always communicating very well with everyone, very clear organized definitely again um in one of the things i really appreciated in year two um was that we were planning each term before that we were even in the term and it was like everyone knew what they were doing before like a month before um, we even needed to teach that you know lesson on that week and then if anything went wrong in between everyone was able to communicate back to the leader and then the leader was able to you know then allocate different tasks to everyone and then everyone knew every single detail even if you didn't need to know it it's just made everything work smoothly so I'd say mm-hmm. someone who's organized someone that's a good communicator is one of the two things I think makes it makes or breaks a leader really but, yeah yeah I, yeah I was going to say clear expectations definitely like clear expectations of you know the, the standard that they want for anything but then also kind of the empathy the empathy to understand that sometimes 
difficulties in the outer world mean that on occasion support might be needed from the team to achieve the standards like you know this is what I want from the planning this is you know just anything like that but then also the empathy to understand that if someone's doing it consistently and then you know someone might have an off day you know with there might be a spelling mistake in the planning oh no (laughs) you know (laughs) something like that you know yeah empathetic leadership is it crucial absolutely Christian you're right there it's about the understanding because we all make mistakes but you know like you alluded to before both of you that the things are going on so you know in leadership we need to be aware of that and adapt accordingly as leaders so um like you've had a tough year both of you so how have you maintained you throughout this time how have you looked after yourselves what have you done like if we were to kind of speak back to yourself at the beginning of this year, what would you say to yourselves in order to maintain your well-beings? Um, exercise. I rely heavily on exercise. Um, and especially the classes that I do in the gym, they charge you if you can't, if you don't, which is actually really good. If, if you don't cancel within 12 hours, then they charge you. So I feel like that's a real motivator because if I suddenly am like, oh, oh, but I've got this report to write. I'm not going to do my class tonight. Um, I can't because it's going to charge me. And that's a real motivator because then when I go, I obviously, I just, yeah, I love exercise. It's, yeah. Um, I know not everyone feels the same, but <laughs> I, really, I really love, I, like, I love lifting weights and running and all of that so um yeah I feel like that was what especially during lockdown as well like keeping fit from home and and I think as well just this sounds this actually sounds really bizarre but there was some some aspects of we like weekends during lockdown that I actually wanted to take into my every day because I find at the weekends now and I haven't continued with it which is you know as I expected because I find at the weekends now I am um, like I'm constantly busy you know like seeing friends I'm out but in the lockdown I would just spend all of Saturday morning you know reading and drinking coffee and then just like I would actually just spend time it sounds really weird just like looking out the window and it was so, and I know that sounds really bizarre to see that I'm staring at looking at people, but it was actually like so enjoyable because I just had these moments of like, when am I actually ever going to have the time to do this again? Um, because I don't, I don't do it. I don't do it now. Like I'm constantly doing stuff. And I said, I was going to, you know, I, you know, swore to myself that when things reopened, I was going to make sure, you know, to take the time at the weekends to do these things. And I don't because I'm just constantly at the weekends now, you've got to, you know, put your washing on, you know, just like do all those things you can't be bothered to do in the week. I mean, I don't have children. So I realize everyone listening to this might be like, she's moaning. She doesn't have any children. <laughs> Who she thinks she is. <laughs> no one gives me. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'd say for me, it, I, I second what Poppy said, just the me time aspect. I felt like um, remote learning in particular, um, I was... I was the only one in my household to actually stay home during that time because both both um, the other people I worked with, they were working, so they had to be out. 
So just being at home by myself, doing the work, I felt like I realized I work well with structure. And then as a, in a school day, because it, of course it's the structure of the children, I feel like I need that structure. And I feel like you get more done in a school day versus at home from nine o'clock to three o'clock. It's just, I just think, oh, that's such a short time, a space of time to get things done. But when you come to school, it's like everything can be done during that time. So it's definitely that shift in mindset. Like just remembering just because I'm in a different setting doesn't mean I don't need structure. I need to make sure I have the same structure, waking up the same time every day. Like you said, the morning coffee and looking out the window, you know, things like that. I realized I need those little things to keep me motivated. And I realized I am a procrastinator and just, Keeping organized is definitely one thing that I, you know, but what's the question, Kathleen? I think I went off topic. No, you're answering a question. It's like, how do you maintain yourself? So clearly the structure yeah. is how you maintain yourself to work effectively. Coffee and looking out the window is in the same way from this. Coffee looking out the window. But who, who doesn't? <laughs> so what advice would you give to you know you're coming to the end now we've got a few just a few well, a couple of weeks left now so what advice would you give to a new teacher puppy who's starting their ect training year okay well, training think- years actually it's actually two years now that they have so get an additional year so so what advice would you give? I think it's okay for everything not to be perfect, I think is the main thing. Mm-hmm. And I think don't get disheartened if you don't see progress in the children immediately. Like as in give them time is what is what I'd say. And just what's that? Um, what's that thing? Tr- trust the process. Mm-hmm. Is that the phrase? Well, the phrase is there. Yeah. It's like, is that hold the vision, trust the process? Ooh. That's what I'd say. Especially oh. that's what I've learned. Definitely with the children, trust the process because it's like on the day to day. I feel like you don't notice the little bits of the little increments of progress that they're making, but then when you look back at their writing at the beginning when they started at year two it's like a different child and it's those moments when you know when that's I mean when six months have passed and you're like oh that's you're like oh okay this is this is what we were this is what we were doing this for because I think on the daily you can miss the little you know the little successes that they're making um because you're so you know just preoccupied by getting the job done yeah, that's what that's. I definitely say that those are the main things. Like, don't get disheartened if everything's not perfect, and don't expect. That's what I said in the first time. What I was getting emotional about. Don't expect consistency because it's not going to be. Yeah. <laughs> Life isn't so. Brilliant. Thanks, and Mamin. Um, I'd say um, don't come into as a school direct genius. Um, I'd say don't come into it with set expectations just be ready for change because you're going just you'd come into it thinking okay I'm going to learn this through this experience I'm going to learn this through this experience but it's just get coming into it with the mindset of 
I'm going to be learning in ways I don't think I would ever be learning in, you know, because there's lessons every in everything um, you're doing as a teacher. There's lessons just talking to a child, just having a random conversation with a child. You just learn that you've learned something about yourself through that. And I feel like the best um, lessons I've learned are through moments that I never thought I would get the, those lessons from. So I'd say just get ready for anything. Don't come into it with set expectations. And know that um, you have to always be reflective of your learning. You know, um, you might not hear the best feedback from, you know, people um, just in the sense that everyone wants you to improve, everyone wants you to be better. But not taking it personally, just seeing it as a ref- another thing to reflect on and then coming back stronger and always wanting to be better, you know, in your teaching. So I'd say great advice, guys. Oh, I one thing actually. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, sorry, it's coming off. Of, I mean, I don't know. I think maybe you said something which inspired me. Also, I think not like I don't. I know this sounds really basic, but also enjoying it. Yeah, because mm. I think the. Because it's so, you get so bogged down with like data and progress is important, definitely. But then I think some days you forget that you're actually working yeah. with like 30 really interesting, really amazing children that all have their own individual personalities and like really amazing imaginations. And it's when you do, I'd say try and like on a daily basis, which is something I that's the thing. It's something I've started to do a lot more now, which is something I learn. Is try to include something, not that maths and English aren't, aren't fun, but, you know, I was just so focused on, okay, maths, English, maths, you know, a kind of getting the curriculum done. That those little, those little, you know, those little things you would do at school yeah. that was what would make school magical. Those little things that you can remember that I kind of forgot about that. And then it's really, that's what really brings out their personalities. Mm. And especially, I'm just thinking specifically about Elf on the Shelf at Christmas when we had an Elf on the Shelf. And then every day when we came in, I said to them, okay, so what do you think happened overnight? Because the Elf would be in a different position and they come out with the most amazing things. And it was like, and it would kind of remind you of, they do really all have these own, like these amazing personalities. Mm. Yeah, I like my class as well. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe everyone would say this, but yeah, I really like my class. They're great. So, you know, helps. Oh, that's so nice. It's such a nice thing to share, um, share actually. That's lovely. Thank you. Um, so what has helped you that like, just very quickly, just one, res- one resource, I know there's going to be many, but what's the one thing that you've kind of gone back to, looked at, reread or listened to, like a podcast, website, teaching that? What's the one thing that you've really relied on that's, that's been your go-to? As a teacher, what's helped you? I'd say YouTube videos on, um, be- for me, it would be behavior management. So just, mm-hmm. you know, there's, there's so many videos online of different strategies that you can use because I've always thought that, you know, when you use one way and it works the first time, works the second time, third time, children, it doesn't work as well. And I realized you always have to have something else up your sleeve to make sure, you know, you have the children engaged. And I felt like 
okay, I need to watch a lot of videos of just teachers just modeling different types of behavior strategies. And then anytime I'd have something else that pop up, I would just go on YouTube and say, okay, YouTube teaches this. And it's just constantly watching it, making notes. That would always be like my go-to. So if I didn't know phonics, the best way to teach phonics, YouTube phonics teaching, like definitely a mm-hmm. YouTube platform definitely helps just watching videos. Yeah. Brilliant. To do that then. I never even thought to do that. It's amazing. It's amazing. I, what a good idea. I was just going to say twinkle. Honestly. <laughs> oh yeah, twinkle. I'm really glad to have a login with you. It's amazing. And things like starter activities, like for a morning activity, if you know, you're doing time that week yeah. and you just want to give them, you know, in the morning as they're coming in to get their brains thinking about time. Just something like that, I think has been, yeah, re- really useful. Um, and also Pinterest. I know that's really random, but, but for, di- for displays yeah. and like little creative, creative ideas, Pinterest has actually been really useful. For info, yeah. But I, I just also like Twinkle in general, they've been really good with remote learning. Mm. a lot of the things have been exactly what we needed in class like one of the things was like um you know the timetable visual timetable for the kids when they came back they mm-hmm. made an updated version for remote um sorry for um covid so then the visual timetable would say time to wash your hands time to sanitize the room you know lunchtime in the classroom and i'd say that's amazing yeah. you have the pictures and i'm like it's they um have adapted to you know this time and that's current current situation yeah yeah so right ladies going forward that you come into the end of your nqt poppy and you're about to enter your ect um two years now so if we were to kind of you think going forward like so you've gone through the journey you've both been tas in schools you've obviously then decided right this is fantastic i want to take this forward and train to be a teacher what now? So how, how would you like to lead in the future in education? I would say definitely, I think promoting equality is so important. It is, it is, it is what I'm really, really passionate about, definitely. And yeah, as you both know, I was so inspired <laughs> by the assembly, not assembly, training that yeah I wanted to be an equality champion but I think yeah that was definitely equality across every across all areas of the curriculum and how we can intertwine it into the curriculum is something that I'm definitely really passionate about in terms of I feel like I don't know I already a little bit kind of a little bit so far kind of critiqued kind of the year two um curriculum and thinking you know just constantly thinking okay with this are we are we actually breaking down stereotypes like are we challenging stereotypes or are we just acknowledging that women exist <laughs> like that was like, I couldn't think of a different way to put that but I think that's what I said with some of the books yeah. I was like yes there is a female character but is it actually is this female character actually challenging any stereotypes or is it just being like see look it's a woman they exist Um, which I think is a different I think which is a different ball game so I'd say yeah one that's really passionate about quality and then just going back to what I said earlier what I think a good leader is I'd like to think if I ever was a leader I mean I suppose I lead my children but yeah one that models empathetic behavior but also as I said sets clear expectations so you know yeah you know what's expected of you if you're under their leadership 
Fantastic. Great. I'm in. I'd say um, for me, again, I just want to second what Poppy said, just clear expectations. Someone who's empathetic, that's what I want to be. Just to remember, don't let the job get to me, you know, make sure that I'm empathetic. How would I like to lead? Um, Others and yourself. I'd say making sure that I listen to everyone because everyone has a, a different outlook a different perspective so like for example I have my lens and I see the world and you know through my lens but someone else has a different pair of you know lenses they see it differently and the only way that I can um understand their point of view is through discussions through asking questions because always through discussions you really understand someone else's perspective and like um for example myself and Poppy we had a conversation yesterday where we were just kind of like talking about how we felt the equality um champion um training went and um she was telling me how she felt um um what she took from that because of course I was part of it and I was kind of like leading the discussion she saw it as like an opportunity for her to you know want to um say that she wants to be part of the quality champion which is amazing and like now she was saying how um it was it kind of allowed her to feel comfortable enough to tell her group you know her views and it's just that empowering others through asking questions discussion it just makes someone feel heard and you know the voices um you know they feel they feel valued you know so i feel like definitely i'd say one thing i want to make sure i always do is just make sure that everyone has a platform to speak and just to make sure i'm always open to thinking how they think because Sometimes it's boring just to think the way you do, you know? It's always mm-hmm. someone else's perspective. You think, oh, I didn't see it like that. Oh, I didn't know that. And it's it, it's definitely, it helps. I feel like that's how things can, um, that's the starting point for change. Yeah. Absolutely, gosh. Yeah. So true. Yeah. If you if you don't, on if, if nobody took on anyone else's opinions and didn't listen to people that they didn't, you know, that didn't, we we still that they, they, they didn't see as you know similar to them. Then we'd never we'd we'd never progress in any way, would we? No. Yeah. But you two are very very inspiring. In fact, it's exciting that to have you both on the the, the team, the quality champions team. It's very inspiring, actually. Just hearing how your both of your views and attitudes towards it. So um, I think that you'll be great leaders. And I think really there's there's nothing stopping you really. It's just, the, you know, gaining experience and, again, speaking up and using your voice because uh, all voices are valid. So we're coming to the end now. So at the end now, um, thinking about the characteristics of a transformational leader is that they present in they – Transformational leaders need to remain present in the now. So what's going on around them and listen carefully, what you've alluded to, actually listen carefully to their inner wisdom before making decisions. So with that in mind, I'm going to give you a scenario and I just want you to kind of just say what you'd do. So you're just about to walk into an interview for your ideal leadership role. Before you enter, you offered three options. A gulp of experience one everlasting awareness suite or a chunk of the cake of confidence? Which one do you consume? I'd say the chunk of confidence because I feel like take it till you make it because confidence is everything. Like when you have confidence, it just 
it eludes everything, you know. If you if you're confident in your ideas, you're able to portray it and you know speak on it um, in a better way. Because if someone has a wealth of knowledge but they're not confident enough to you know talk to people to inspire them, it won't be as effective. So I feel like confidence and yeah, confidence is the one I choose. Yeah. Brilliant. Mayra, that was such a good answer. <laughs> oh, thank you, Poppy. You're so supportive. Can you please repeat the options? <laughs> yeah, of course. So, we're going into your, your ideal role, ideal leadership role as well. So, before you enter, you're offered three options, a gulp of experience, one everlasting awareness suite, or a chunk of the cake of confidence. Which do you consume? I think I think I've got to agree with Mayman. The ch- yeah, the cake of confidence. Yeah. Because, you know, I feel like I was leaning slightly towards the experience, but I suppose I don't know, you could have experience is important, but you could have all the experience in the world and never and never feel ready, you know. Experience is always important. But yeah, I think I don't know. I I feel like if you're confident, then I also mean that you have the confidence not arrogance, but like the confidence to also be so inspiring, settled within your, settled within yourself, self-assured that mm. you can listen to other people. Because I feel like people that actually don't listen to other people's opinions or that aren't prepared to adapt and to change are actually, I, I don't know people that I've come across, which in fairness isn't many, but people that I've come across like that are actually the most underconfident people. Mm-hmm. Uh, having, you know, having the self-assuredness to be able to um, put your opinions across, but then also say, because I do know what I'm talking about, I will happily listen to everyone else's opinions and take those on board and adapt what I think. Right, great. Very insightful answers. Right, so so they're three quick deep dive statements. So just say what comes into your head. So what I'm looking forward to my career is? Having having my own class. Um, I guess more autonomy. Just it's like my decision first and then I can ask everyone. So in terms of classroom management, I mean, <laughs> yeah. Creating a more diverse and equal playing field to the one that I grew up in. Fantastic. If I could change one thing in education, it would be? The history curriculum. Ooh, that's Why? Um, it's not diverse enough. It's all Romans, Anglo-Saxons. It's all, in my opinion, it's the history of the white man. It's not a diverse history of the people that are the children that are represented in my class I don't think they see themselves I think they enjoy it don't get me wrong but they don't see themselves in the history that we teach yeah I I want to agree with what Poppy said just letting the curriculum be reflective of the children and I feel like it makes it more memorable for them as well just to see themselves in what they're learning and I feel like all the pictures sometimes let's say in some of the subjects some of the pictures can be quite repetitive and it's like just the children, when something's different, the children say, oh, I didn't see, I've never seen that before. It's because they've never seen someone that looks like them, you know, on a piece of paper. Mm. And it's more memorable in that sense, but it shouldn't be memorable. It's like the curriculum should always be effective if you're studying it. So definitely I'd say I second to what Poppy said. Yeah. Especially since 
just a little tangent, sorry. I read My Hair with my children, which um, is a story about a young black girl and she's preparing her hair, like her Afro hair for the party. And honestly, all of the children in my class, they were buzzing. Mm. Like all of the black children in my class were absolutely buzzing because they were all like, my uncle has a do, like my my uncle wears a do rag and like all of this. And they mm. were teaching me stuff as well because obviously that's not my culture. So I, there was some things that I read that I didn't know. And then yeah. I said, can you, can you just like clarify yeah. what is yeah. what is yeah my uncle wears one my auntie wears one it was so great yeah and I feel yeah. like all the kids when they're young they're all happy like they're they're excited about their upbringing you know what makes them different and they feel so confident whenever they talk about their you know family their heritage but it's just over the years just you know this, let's say when they're in secondary school the people they're around it just makes them suppress up self, that side of themselves but when they're kids in primary school if you ask them about you know their family they're happy to tell you for a whole hour about their family what they love what kind of foods they they eat and it's like the only way of, to get them to be proud of themselves to speak openly is when you start off just like with that book my hair those children necessarily wouldn't have spoken about things like that if they didn't mm. think it was okay and the only way you show them it's okay is by speaking about it as a teacher it's just even just saying oh, you have a, a really a nice hairstyle, they would then happily speak about it. So I guess if the curriculum was reflective of them, they would be so happy to talk about it. It's like that thing of children don't know if they should. It's like if the curriculum represented it, they would think, oh, okay, I can talk about it as well. So, mm. yeah. Wonderful. And the last question, which I think is an important one. So my voice is important because... My voice is important because I offer another perspective that someone might have not known. And yeah, my voice is important because, you know, anyone has the ability to change a system or a person's ingrained thought process. Wow. Gosh, it's been a pleasure speaking to you both. It's really, you know, it's really nice just to hear you guys just speak and express your thoughts on things because it's not often that we get to sit down and have a conversation like this. So thank you for being a guest. Thank you for being so open and so honest. And I really, really do hope that you get to do all of those things that you've spoken about and have that impact in your classrooms. So thank you, guys. Thank you and so much, Kathleen. For thank you. You've been an amazing host. Yes, <laughs> it's been so much fun. I've been it. Okay, take care. Bye. 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 Thank you so much for listening. I hope you were inspired and gained some insights which can help you as you progress on your journey. Do share your key takeaways on social media and let people know what resonated with you. Remember to tag me. I'd love to see your thoughts and subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. Thank you for being here. Until our next episode, be safe, be well, but most importantly, keep growing. Remember, there is power in your voice and it all starts with a conversation.